Pat Gray is here on the Blaze Radio Network. The Pat Gray Show. I am obviously not Pat Gray. Jason Butchel filling in for the uh, wonderful and talented Pat Gray. Um, we had a lot of stuff to talk about today, guys. Uh, I I don't even really know where to start, especially with the uh, with the press conference yesterday with uh, with uh, Mulvaney. Um, <laughs> it didn't really sound too good. It it didn't really. Uh, I, that's not exactly what you would expect to hear um, from someone uh, that high up in, in the White House uh, with uh, with uh, with Trump sac- with Trump staff. I, I'm really curious on what you guys think about what he said. And uh, if you guys, I'm, I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be in here for the next two hours, guys. If you want to talk be, talk to me about anything, uh, whether it be uh, what happened in the press conference, that's what I'm gonna start off with today. Uh, but if you also want to talk about uh, anything, like uh, you, you guys pretty much know my expertise, I, I, I'm really looking at this Syria thing right now. I'm gonna be talking about that in depth. I went on uh, the Dana Lash radio show, and I gave a, a, a brief rundown on the way that. You know how I see view the situation. It's uh, it's very emotional for a lot of people. Um, it's the problem is when you're when you're dealing with things like that. There's a geopolitical side to it, and the geopolitical side to it is is not emotional whatsoever. Geopolitical uh, geopolitics is very very harsh. It's very very um, it's very very heartless, and uh, I believe that that's where he was coming from on that. Um, but I'll get into that a little bit later on in the show. But if you guys want to talk to me about this, or any of this stuff, call in. It's a triple eight nine zero zero. What is the number? Eight three nine three triple eight nine zero zero eight three nine three, and uh, we'll go through everything. Um, okay, so let's start off with uh, with Mulvaney. So Mulvaney has this press conference. And if you're in the Trump administration and you want to distract from really the only impeachable part of the whistleblower phone call, and again, I should, and if you're watching right now, I'm air quoting whistleblower, whistleblower. If you want to even call him a whistleblower, which I don't even consider him a whistleblower, um, I consider him a, uh, a colluder with Adam Schiff. That's what I consider him. But if you... Look at that phone call, and if there's anything at all that would be, you know, grounds for in starting an impeachment inquiry, it would be the quid pro quo portion of the inquiry. Now, if you are in the in Trump's staff, you don't want to say anything at all that even sounds even remotely close to some kind of quid pro quo. Now, Mulvaney, he takes the mic, and he says everything you're not supposed to do if you want to say, look, there was no quid pro quo. Now, Trump has come out and said, you know, he's been adamant from the beginning that there was no quid pro quo involved, that, uh, that you know, the conversation was, I think he said, quote, beautiful and perfect. Um, I personally think that if the Ukrainian president hadn't been so, I don't know, the, actually, the, the Ukrainian president sounded like he was off the cuff. It sounded like he was like, you know, whatever. I, uh, you know, he, he sounded like he was not going off of bullet points. He was just kind of bringing things up. Like they always talk about, you know, he 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 brought up uh, Giul- uh, you know, Giuliani was discussed. Well, Trump didn't bring Giuliani up until the Ukrainian president brought Giuliani up. Uh, it was the same for multiple other things that you know they were hitting the president on, including the uh, Marie uh, Marie Ivanovich, the U.S. ambassador who was just testifying to the House uh, yesterday, or I'm sorry, last week. He did, Trump didn't even bring her up. 
the Ukrainian president brought her up first, and then Trump just responded off of it. And then this conversation spiraled out of control. You know, it's kind of funny. It's like those the things that you always get in trouble for the things that you didn't prepare for. You know, you, you always get in trouble for if you know you're talking to like when I'm talking to my wife, and you know, I'm like, you know, something serious, you know, I want to talk about something. I don't know. Who knows? You know, whatever. We're talking about our kids or whatever. And I'll like I'll go into the conversation with like a you know, with some bullet points, like, yeah, I want to discuss, you know, you know, my son's problems here, here, and here, how we need to deal with them, and my daughter's you know, things she's got coming up when it's here and here and here. If I stick to like my mental bullet points, I'm perfectly fine with it. You know, like it doesn't, it doesn't go off the rails. But as the more I start improving, <laughs> the more, the more I get away from those like topics that I should be talking about, that's when things go completely off the rails and I start getting myself into trouble. That in a sense was that phone conversation right there with the, with, with between Trump and Zelensky. They got away from their prepared bullet points. And things spiraled out of control. <laughs> but Mulvaney said that, and this, okay, I'm going to tell you, so this is what he said, and this is what I think he meant to say. But Mulvaney, in a nutshell, and I'm not going to quote the entire thing. I, I think you guys probably have heard it, you know, a gazillion times. I, I'm, I've got the TVs on up right now, and there's three networks talking about it right now. But Basically, in a nutshell, what he was saying was, is that, yeah, there was, yeah, I mean, you know, we were, you know, looking for the Ukrainian server and, uh, yeah, we withheld fund, uh, you know, uh, defense funding specifically, you know, so that we could, uh, so that we could get that, the ball rolling on that. Now, if you're a Democrat and this happened during the Obama administration, you would be perfectly fine with this. Uh, Let me repeat that. You would be perfectly fine with what he did because this was involving the Russia investigation and this was an attempt to say look in your country some of these things were going on that we think should be investigated because this is a part of a big investigation over here and you know we're not going to give you this aid or this money or whatever until you play ball you'd be perfectly fine with it and i think that everybody that everybody on the left that's denying that fact is being completely hypocritical. Absolutely, completely hypocritical. And that's exactly what this is about. The Ukrainian server, CrowdStrike, uh, everything else involved with that is all part of the rest of the investigation. So what Trump was talking about, and this is the very beginning of the phone call, had everything to do with furthering the Russia investigation. That's the incredible and hilarious irony here, is that that was... All about furthering the Russia investigation. Since when did the DNC and the left not love a good Russia investigation? I mean, come on. It's been nothing but Russia, Russia, Russia for two plus years. Millions of dollars. And this is continuing that that investigation. Now, what problem do you actually have with that? I don't know. It's, 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 a, weird, it's a strange world that we're living in in today's politics where... You know, as long as one side's talking about it, it's all good. When the other side's not talking about it, it's not it's not good. And when, but especially the fact when you're when you're pushing uh, something that maybe the, the same investigation, but it doesn't look good for you, now you have an issue with it. Now, I we've been talking about it on this network, especially on the uh, uh, Blaze TV side, especially on Glenn's um, uh, portion of it. How. This and this is, you're going to sit, you guys listening right now are going to send me off on another tangent. But this has nothing to do with uh, Trump. This has nothing to do with, well, actually, it does have to do with Trump, but it has nothing to do with what they're trying to make it appear to be. 
This is all about Democrats trying to seize the narrative. They're trying to seize the narrative. And what is that narrative? Well, the the narrative is they don't want you to think about what they have been doing in Ukraine since 2014, guys. 2014. They've been corrupt. They've been greedy. They've been influencing U.S. elections. Everything that they've been telling you that Trump and the GOP were doing in Russia... They were doing the entire time in Ukraine. The entire time they were doing. This is this is the this story is the craziest thing ever. And you know, it, it really almost seems like almost like a house of cards episode. And I don't want to say that because that's been used to death. I don't even know. I don't I don't, I don't you know what we're gonna you I tell you what, we're gonna have to write the screenplay on this because this is not real. This this is totally a TV show. But but I don't know how they've you know, managed to, or I don't actually, I don't know how they believe that they didn't think all their dirty secrets were going to come out. I, I, I mean the media, I guess they were counting on the media, not doing their jobs. I really, if, if it wasn't for independent outlets, you know, internet outlets, uh, any, any, all these outlets that exist beyond the mainstream blaze TV being one of the big ones. I don't even know if they would, if anyone would even know about it most of this stuff I, I i really i really don't think they did but i when this first came out i was like is there any possible way that biden doesn't get destroyed for this because the media gave them a pass on all of this stuff and i was like there's no like now people are gonna look into what biden was doing all over the country when his son was traveling with him on air force two and then cutting these huge multi-billion dollar deals when he had no business of cutting these deals in parallel with what his dad was doing in places like China or Ukraine. Like, no one cared. And I think Democrats were expecting the media to act like they're acting right now. Like, did, did any of you guys watch that ABC interview? The ABC interview with Hunter Biden, where, you know, basically what it was is they just gave Hunter Biden a chance to plead his case. That's all they did. They just gave him a chance to say, look, all of those people are crazy. I'm innocent. So just like what, what we've been telling you, and, and, and there you go. There was no serious follow-up questions for that at all. N- none. Absolutely none. So that was just a big apology. Not apology. That, that was just a big you know, opportunity for the media to say, this is our guy. This is who we support. Republicans are crazy. Anyone that's looking into this is crazy. But when you look at the actual evidence, it's absolutely insane absolutely insane so and the rest of all this stuff is going to come out it's it's going to come out now and you know mainstream media be damned it's going to come out we're working on it i'm working on it around the clock the things that they've been doing well i mean it would warrant a special invest uh, investigator you know a molar type person officially announced to look into these things Will that happen? I don't know. We do know that Trump is doing his, uh, the DOJ is doing their own uh, investigation uh, into the uh, you know origins of the Russia investigation. Those things are going to happen. Those things are happening. But I do think that this impeachment inquiry is an attempt to get ahead of that, get out ahead of that. And now, if they were willing to you know subject Biden and some of the others to you know some of the scrutiny even though not from the mainstream media, 
But uh, if they were willing to at least risk that, imagine some of the things that are going to come out on this. Just imagine. But they want a season there. They want you to focus on little things, little bitty things like this call. They want you to focus on that. They're like, hey, this is the issue. You know, what was spoken of in the uh, in, in that phone conversation? Look at that right there where he was like, hey, you know, the quid pro quo. We were talking about, you know, withholding military, you know, uh, assistance for these things. That's what they want you to focus on. And they're twisting it into that, that, that that's the thing that you should be looking at. That's that's what that's what the impeachment inquiry is all about. Don't look in this hand. Look over in this hand. That's it. That really is. So back to Mulvaney. If you want to, you know, show that no, that that's not that's the quid. There was no quid pro quo there. You know, the we were not withholding military assistance because of you know the things that were go- like the first thing that was talked about was the was CrowdStrike and the Ukrainian server or those things. That's all, that's all part of the Russia investigation. The second thing, you don't want any, especially you don't want any quid pro quo involved in, you know, uh, finding information about Joe Biden. You don't, you especially don't want that. Like I, like the, the Russia investigation stuff, you can explain away, I, I believe. I think that that's less damaging to, uh, to Trump. But the Biden stuff is a little harder to explain. I'm not saying it's impeachable. It's just a little harder to explain. I mean, it's 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 easier to say we were furthering the Russia investigation versus we were looking for information on a guy that I might be running against in a v- the very near future. That's a little bit harder. Do I? And again, I want to read it. I don't think that's impeachable. It's just harder to explain. It's harder to combat. I mean, if it's all about the Russia investigation. You don't get as many votes if it actually goes to an impeachment vote. If it's about all, if it was all about Biden, you probably have a few more people willing to vote for continuing impeachment. But that's not what Mulvaney did. Mulvaney actually came out and said, look, yes, we, uh, yeah, we did it. Basically, yeah, it's, I mean, and we withheld uh, military assistance. And we were looking for them to cooperate with us on these things. That's what Mulvaney said. So now everyone is blowing up. I'm sure it's all in your newsfeed. It's all in my newsfeed. I don't like this was incredibly dumb for him to say. He didn't need to say this. The only thing I can think of is he kind of went rogue off of his talking points, kind of like the my conversation with my wife or the Trump Zelensky conversation. I think he might have had some bullet points. And he just kind of strayed from those bullet points. What do I think he meant? I will get to that in just a second. But first, I want to talk about uh, something that I believe every military family should really, really look into. And not only that, but it's just, it's just for everyone that's like moved into a location where you have no idea, you know, uh, about the area. You don't know, you know, where the good homes are, where the good schools are, how the neighborhoods are. But... Mercury real estate is probably something that I mean, real estate agents I trust is something that everyone should should should, uh, should look into, especially if you're moving into a location. They have over a thousand active agents, with another five thousand who are on a waiting list to join. Over five thousand agents with real estate I trust share Glenn's vision of how real estate should be done all over the country. So, have you been frustrated with trying to buy or sell a home? No urgency, no return phone calls, no real marking. Um, they show a very high sense of urgency. This team responds to every inquiry in minutes, not hours. 
They show professional contact at all times. They return calls. They do what they said they're promised to do. Our experts in properly evaluating the, the value of homes in their market they exemplify the truth lives here creed of Glenn and by all of his companies. They have a long track record of performance and success. No part-time agents or agents uh, who have a part-time history. No part-time agents. That's why Glenn and Tanya name the company real estate agents I trust.com. This isn't just a sponsor. This is Glenn's company. The team of real estate agents I trust works diligently every day to ensure our agents live up to their promise to, uh, to, to me to best serve you with your biggest investment. If you're selling or buying a home, it's a very complicated process. It's difficult to navigate. When I, when, I, when I moved constantly with the military, I had no idea you know, who to ask, who to talk to. And a lot of times you get screwed. You get screwed, but not with real estate agents I trust. The market value for your home can't be done by an algorithm. It takes years of expertise to evaluate your market and to price your home to sell quickly for top dollar. Mercury Real Estate Agents are experts in your neighborhood. Home sellers must genuinely like the agents they, ch they choose to trust their home to. That is why we select agents who are fans just like you. They're fans. They do business like you and share your values. Do this, guys. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com, realestateagentsitrust.com. Um, all right. <clears throat> so getting back into this whole Mulvaney thing, this press conference, I think that, like I said, I think... I think that Mulvaney actually strayed from the talking points. That's that's truly what I believe. I uh, I think that what he was trying to do, because most of the conversation has been straying away from, you know, the first part of the phone conversation, which was CrowdStrike, their involvement, the Ukraine server, the fact that the DNC didn't give the server to the FBI so that they could look at it. You know, even if it's nothing, if you're listening right now and you, and you think that's all conspiracy theory, which I think that you have a, a, a you you have a lot of credibility there. Like I, I I personally, I personally don't think there's any there there. I really don't. But is it something that should be looked at? Absolutely, absolutely. Look, the server hasn't been looked at by the FBI, so that right there and something such a huge investigation. Look, we're talking millions and millions of dollars and over two years of man hours. So you would think that that should be involved in what they were looking at, right? If you're really going to do your due diligence, conspiracy theory or not, that warrants them looking into it. It just does. So do I have a problem with the, uh, the president bringing that up? No, I do not have a problem with that. Now, that's the, pro that's the issue right there. That's why Democrats have been focusing less on that and more on Hunter and Joe Biden. It looks way more damning if Trump was going after someone he might be running against in a few months versus continuing the Russia investigation. So I, like I said, I, I seriously think that he he strayed off the talking points and he was, you know, trying to maybe put the focus back over onto CrowdStrike and the server and all that, but. It came off, let's just, let's just admit it, it came off very, very badly. Because the one thing you do not do is you say the words quid pro quo. You do not say that. Immediately that put this in a completely new light. It, it, it made this, it, it, it made everything that Democrats, Adam Schiff, House Intelligence Committee, Nancy Pelosi, it made everything that what they've been saying partly true. So now you've put yourself back on the defensive. I feel, I feel, you know, it's the Trump administration is great for so many things uh, and then detrimental in so many other ways. It's like, 
how many times during the campaign do we say, don't don't say that. Just don't say that. Just kind of go away. Go uh, stay away from the phone. Stay away from social media. Uh, Don't even say anything up on the debate stage. Just don't. And you're going to cruise to victory. You're running against some of the worst candidates in history of U.S. campaign history. And you don't even have to talk. You could go up there and, you know, basically just fall asleep on the debate stage or sleep through that morning, uh, you know, Twitter rampage. And your numbers are going to skyrocket. But this is kind of like, this is, this is exactly the same with Mulvady. You don't say these things. You don't have to. You don't have to defend it because I think that when the vast majority of people get presented the evidence, you're going to find, look, this is, I mean, I, I think a vast majority of people know this is extremely, and the president has used the word witch hunt. I don't want to say that because it's so cliche at the moment, but that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. And when you give people the time that now that you've started this actual investigation, now you've given the people the time to actually examine the evidence, they'll come to the same conclusions. But what Mulvaney said did not help things at all. <sighs> so what do I think this is going? Uh, I Nancy, Pol- the, so Democrats have, uh, they, they've said that they're not pushing, they're not ready to vote on this quite just yet, which I don't blade them because Nancy Pelosi's, she's not stupid. They've already voted on this, I think twice, and it failed miserably. Granted, that was before, you know, new developments, but a lot of these establishment politicians know that, look, I can't, I know you guys have your narrative. They they all hate, you know, President Trump. Um, They, you know, some of these Democrats that maybe are more middle of the road, some of these Democrats that probably come in where I live in Texas, they can't just, they they can't be these, you know, hashtag resist uh, diehards. That they can't because they've got a lot of people in their districts uh, that that support President Trump. This is not, you know, this is not New York. They've got more people with different opinions, and you know, they think differently than you know someone that's in Los Angeles or San Francisco. <laughs> There's a few more conservatives or, or a few more Republicans, a few more people on the right in general over here in Texas than in a lot of those places. But they're not going to just jump all in on impeachment because they'll have to pay for that come election day over here. So they need a little bit more, something else concrete before they say, okay, fine, I'll be willing to vote for impeachment. This is not like I I saw the, the other day where I think it might've been on drudge, which you guys noticed something with drudge lately drudge. He used to be all in on president Trump. Now he seems like he's not. And I haven't heard anything official from him. Uh, or his website, but it's been very negative over the past, what, I would say two plus weeks, at least, at least, possibly more. But I mean, before he was, he was always posting Rasmussen polling numbers um, to kind of brag, to show how President Trump's numbers were better than Obama's at this stage in his presidency. He was doing things like that. And by the way, guys, don't ever trust Rasmussen polls. They are historically bad. I remember, I remember here on, we, we did a special, uh, it was election night and it was against Romney and Obama and we had a huge special here at the blaze and we were following the numbers and Rasmussen polling was saying that Romney was going to run away with the thing. Really the only person in this building was Stu Bergier. 
here at this network. And he was like, guys, I don't know. That's, that's not that's not what I'm seeing. But everyone else was like, nope, nope. Rasmussen, all the other polls, we're all good. <laughs> but Stu was the only one. So uh, credit to Stu. But uh, yeah, so Rasmussen, I don't, I don't know what or how they poll, but it really can't be, it really can't be trusted. But anyway, there's a lot of, I think, I think the, the, I think the, I think even getting the votes in the house, even though Nancy says she has the votes, I think that even getting those votes in the house is not going to be as easy as what she thinks. So they have to be very, very ironclad on what they think that they have. And, oh yeah, that's what I was going to say earlier is that the polls that I saw reported on Drudge said that the numbers for favoring impeachment were around 51%, which was mirroring that of Nixon. So that would be significant. And that's kind of crazy because if you think about what Nixon did, they, what they, they had actual proof of what Nixon did. You know, there was audio recording that you could actually listen to that showed what he was doing. So you knew that if it got to the Senate, he was probably getting impeached. This wasn't just a, uh, you know, this wasn't just like a partisan thing in, in the House that everyone knew that when it got to the Senate, nothing was going to happen, which is what's going to happen here. I mean, if this thing makes its way, it makes its way to the Senate. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, it makes its way to the Senate. If it goes through the House, makes it to the Senate, it's dead. So it it behooves Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats in the House to just drag this on. When she says that, we're, we're, look, we're not ready to make a vote on it yet. Well, yeah, because you don't want to let this thing die that soon. That's why. You want to, you want to stretch this thing out as long as you can and make it go into the campaign. Because if you can make it go into the campaign... And you can continue to put bad things out there and, and use it as a negative. Then that benefits you. But if this thing goes through the process, it gets to the Senate, it instantly dies. That's what you do not want. Then you lose the narrative. And then guess what's coming out? We have a uh, Inspector General report coming out on the FISA abuse. That supposedly, and, and what the sources have been saying, that this is, quote, going to involve a lot more than just FISA abuse. That's going to start coming out. What are we going to find out then, huh? What are we going to find out about Fusion GPS? What are we going to find out about Carter Page? What are we going to find out about what the DOJ and the FBI were doing in the FISA court? That's about to come out. Then the president's investigation into the origins of the Russian campaign, then that's going to come out. What are we going to find out then? All these things are scheduled to come out, and then this impeachment inquiry happens. Huh. Interesting how that happens, huh? Very, very strategic on uh, on the Democrats for that. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to keep beating a dead horse on that. Again, that is what impeachment, the current impeachment, is all about. That's why they're doing this. There's no other reason for this. That's what makes it so ridiculous. If you guys, I've been, and if you guys aren't, you know, familiar with me, I should have said this at the beginning. But I'm uh, the chief researcher for Glenn. I'm his head writer. And he's had me looking into this for months. And the things, and we haven't even released all the stuff that we're, we're planning on releasing on this. We haven't even rolled everything out. <clears throat> but if, you've, if you watch the special that we did on Ukraine, 
you've got a, a large chunk of what the Democrats, what the left was doing this entire time for over two years, over 24 months, what they've been doing. And will they ever answer to, to anything? I don't think so. I really don't think so. I mean, it's so hilarious. It's like, if you have two kids, I've got two kids. And if you have two kids, usually the one that's the most adamant when, when, when one of them got in trouble and was like, no, he was doing this and he did that. That usually gives me uh, a little clue to say, okay, if my daughter is saying my son was the one that was most guilty. The one things, the, the specific things that she's talking about, it, she, she usually like probably started it. That's usually what happens. She had a big deal in, you know, in, in, in doing it. Uh, that's pretty much what the Democrats are guilty of here. They, uh, they accused the Trump campaign of influencing the uh, 2016 election. No, that's actually what they did. You know, they accused them of colluding with an outside government. No, that's actually what they did. They're guilty of it all. And I just want to close out this segment by saying that all of this stuff will come out. It's all going to come out. This conference, whatever, uh, press conference with Mulvaney, this looks bad, but don't worry. Everything will out. This is Pat Gray Unleashed Show. I am Jason Butcher filling in for Pat Gray. I will be back in just a little bit. We got a lot of stuff to uh, talk about. This is Pat Gray Unleashed. Pat Gray is actually not here. It's uh, Jason Buttrell filling in for uh, Pat Gray, Pat Gray Unleashed show. The number to call in is 888-900-3393 if you want to talk. I'm uh, just going through social. Uh, You can at me uh, if you want to uh, talk about anything here. If you don't want to call in, it's uh, at Jason Buttrell on uh, Twitter. And uh, just uh, going through some of the social media right now. And it seems like a lot of people are upset that uh, are disappointed that uh, we're not going to be talking about uh, that. We're not going to have any uh, more on trivia today because I I agree. Like it's absolutely uncanny how accurate more on trivia is. It's absolutely uncanny. You could probably make bets. I'm not condoning that, but you could probably make bets off of it. It's insane. I don't know what like mojo black magic they've like dipped into there. But it's pretty much take it to the bank. Whoever wins on more on trivia is probably going to win in the NFL. Um, and I, NFL is not really something I want to talk about right now because my team, uh, the Cowboys, are, uh, are not doing all that well. But uh, anyway, we're, we're going to go directly off of that right now. But if you want to talk to me, uh, I'll give you a shout out at Jason Buttrell on Twitter. And uh, let's uh, let's chew some of the fat to steal uh, one of my favorite Blaze TV radio hosts, uh, Jeffy Fisher, one of his lines. Um, but anyway, I want to I want to scoot through now and uh, we're going to move away from Mulvania. Uh, Mulvaney. Yes, Mulvania. We're going to move away from the Mulvania and we're going to go into what's going on in Syria right now. I mentioned before that I went on with Dana Lash on her radio show the other day to try and like break down what's going on here because it's so complicated. And do you guys feel how I feel when you get some of these, you know, experts air quoted uh, when they go on some of these networks and what they talk about sounds so dang complicated. Like I'm read up on a lot of this stuff. You know, I've spent time in the region and I don't even know what the heck they're talking about. How do they, how in the heck do they really expect us 
to really understand what's going on there with the way that they break it down. It's almost like they're trying to sound like they're, yeah, I don't know, a lot smarter than the rest of us. And it's something that we can't possibly understand. So, you know, just take our word for it, which that right there is, you know, technocratic, you know, a technocracy. That's that mentality. That's the mentality of, hey, guys, you know, cede your sovereignty over to, you know, organizations like the UN or organizations like the European Union, because we know what's best for you. You know, these super, super, uh, you know, organizations, they, you know, are, are the future and the individual and sovereignty is is not the way of the future. Yeah, no. That's that's not what America was established on. That's not what we believe. That's not what the and that's something the left just doesn't get, I think. And anyone that's buying into their bullcrap, that's something that you don't get. You know, you don't get it. That's that's not what um, that's not what America was founded on. That's not what we believe in. That's that's not that's what makes us different is that we reject that. We've rejected that from the since the 1700s. That's the whole point of the American experiment is you guys go your way. We're going our way because we believe in the individual. But the way they break it down, specifically geopolitics, foreign policy and everything going on in Syria, the way they break it down is like, what what are you talking about? Well, I went out with Dana to try and like kind of go through that. And this is it in a nutshell. And I I don't want to I don't want to extend this out too much because it's incredibly complicated. It is incredibly complicated and even, you know, trying to break it down easy. It's, it's just, it's just, it's just hard, but we all feel that I, I think on some level that the Kurds got screwed in Syria. I, I think it, anyone that's looking at this can say, okay, yeah, they got screwed. And anyone that's been, you know, dealing with this, there's two ways to look at this. There's an emotional way and there's a harsh geopolitical way to do it. Basically, everyone right now is feeling the emotional way. So either you're either very emotional with, wow, like these guys, the Kurds, have been fighting with us. They've been our allies in the region. And I'm, I'm, very, I'm really sad for them as a people. And I just want to say right now is the Kurds are beautiful people. They're, they're beautiful people. I, I've been with them in Iraq. Uh, I've been with them in Syria. And culturally, the Kurds in Iraq and Syria, they're exactly the same. Uh, and they're kind of like, uh, how do I put this? Like everyone's great grandmother. <laughs> they're they're kind of like the Kurds are, you know, American great grandmothers. And in saying that, I mean, you know, if you had a guest come over to great grandmother's house, instantly that guest was family. That's how, that's how it was treated. And great grandmom would be like, come in, you can stay here. Here's some clothes from my kids that, you know, down don't live here, but they should fit you fine. Here's food and overabundance of it. I got you. That's how the Kurds are. I, and I don't care if it's the Kurds in Iran, Iraq, Turkey, or Syria. That's their culture. That's how they are. Now, the problem is, is you see a lot of politicians and experts. They'll come out and say, hey, and, and this is on both sides. They'll be like, the Kurds, they're the only ones with American values. Now, for the Kurds in Syria, that's patently false. Just going to say that right now. That's patently false for the Kurds in Turkey. That's patently false. The ones that have American values are the Kurds in Iraq. They are after democracy. It's is it flawed. Yes, it's it's flawed. Um, the Kurds in Iraq are led by 
primarily two families and they have a stranglehold on the politics there. Um, they're b- both of them are war heroes. They've been around forever. Um, they fought directly with Saddam. They've historically been used to play off of one another. But right now, uh, the Kurdish family that's in charge, uh, their family is called the Barzani family. And uh, I, I personally agree with them more than the other side. Um, and they are more in the line of what you would call American values and framing their experiment, their country as an, as, you know, as an American, you know, experiment. Now the Kurds in Syria and Turkey are different. They are Marxists. They idolize, idealize a, uh, a man. His name is Ojalan, but it's not spelled like that. It's like O C A L A. And, uh, you, uh, the C is, uh, always pronounced as a J in, in, in Kurdish. That, that's why no one can ever pronounce uh, Jink. Uger's name because like sink uh, no, his, his name's Jink because that's the way anyway but uh, they idolize this uh, this Marxist guy it's it's hilarious I, I went for when I was in Iraq I went from Iraq and I went to the border of Syria and there was multiple fighters from the PKK which is the group that's uh, categorized as a terrorist group and um, instantly it changed like they start calling you comrade like hey comrade you're like what why, why are you calling me that? And they start talking about all these, you know, fundamentally Marxist or communist, you know, ideals. And I'm like, what did I just step into? They're different. Now, I don't, they're not, it's, it's, it's hard to, it, when someone uses violence in an illegal way and, and for terrorist reasons, it's hard to say that, oh, you know, they're not all that bad. They're really, they're not all that bad. But you can imagine, like, if you were in a country and you were a minority group and you literally are being killed off, it's, 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 it's a slow burn genocide is what's happening to the Kurds in Turkey. Slow burn genocide. They're trying to diminish their numbers, get rid of them, uh, and eventually push them out or kill them out of their country. How would you respond? So the... Kurds in Turkey established the PKK, which was an armed resistance faction to go against the, the Turkish government. I mean, they really had no other choice. The political choice was not working. Uh, they, they really were pushed into some of the actions they were doing. Uh, unfortunately, the actions that they started doing were violent acts. So they were labeled a terrorist organization in Turkey. We followed suit and uh, also labeled them a ter- uh, uh, terrorist faction. So that faction went across the border to, for a safe haven. That's why they mingled around in, in their ancestral home in, in northern Syria. And they were able to get some safety there while they jumped across the border. So that's why the Kurds are in northern Syria. Or, I'm sorry, the, uh, the PKK faction of them. They mingled in with the other Kurds that weren't uh, part of the PKK. And they all kind of linked up and, and joined in with this fight against ISIS. So... I just want to explain that because it, a lot of people talk about the Kurds as being, you know, one entity, like they're all the same, but they're not. Syrian Kurds are different than the Iraqi Kurds. Uh, they just uh, culturally they're the same. Ideologically, they're not. So as long as you understand that first and foremost, so when someone talks about it, you, you know, you, you have kind of a basis in, okay, uh, yeah, they don't really have American ideology. They don't share American ideals. But it's incredi- incredibly still emotional because my generation, we've all, you know, we've grew up basically fighting wars in this area. 
So we, we've fought shoulder to shoulder. You saw the news report of that one, that one uh, special forces operator that they didn't name, but uh, it was in a tweet thread from I can't remember some journalist, but but she was quoting him as saying that he was just you know flabbergasted. He he was so disappointed and he uh, he felt so bad. He was like you know the these Kurdish fighters are just like us and like I get it, I get it because I culturally they're beautiful people and we did fight with them. You know we forged partnerships we forged relationships and they are i mean i I can't i cannot imagine going through that being in that area thank god i did not have to do uh to experience this but when you fight with somebody it's a you it's almost like a family You, you become brother and sister to those people i mean there's people that i did not like when i was in the marine corps that you know they were in my unit i did not like them i did not like what they stood for i did not like the things they said um, didn't like things they did, but when we deployed to a combat zone, they became my brother and sisters and you share a bond with them no matter what. So when you hear us servicemen talk about this right now, you have to look at it through that lens. It's incredibly emotional to them and they forge those bonds, but can they really talk about the geopolitical, um, you know, implications going forward that that means they can't really. Because they are now biased on that. Sure, they can tell you the situation, what's going on. They're incredibly knowledgeable. There's nobody else that's more knowledgeable on the fact than them on that. But the overall picture, it's got to be looked through a different lens. What's that overall picture? I'm going to go into that in one second. But I want to talk about uh, Ridge Zone for just a second. Now, do you, get, you ever wonder why you can't seem to control your appetite? <laughs> I do all the time. Like, I didn't care before because I was uh, young and it didn't matter. But now, since I'm 41, now I'm starting to look at things like this. And yeah, for some reason, one cheeseburger is turned into two. And that's becoming more often, like, several times in the day. Um, But regardless of your diet or your commitment, you always feel hungry. Believe it or not, it's not your fault. This is awesome. So it's it's I, I it's not my fault that n- now I want three cheeseburgers like four times a day. Um, but scientists now understand it's 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 not about willpower. It's 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 actually our nature. Our brains are wired for survival to tell our bodies we need more calories no matter how much we eat. And luckily, your body naturally produces a molecule called OEA, which sends a signal to your brain um, that you're full. But if you're like most of us, you don't produce enough OEA, so you always feel hungry. The FDA-accepted Riduzone was developed to provide the OEA we need to bridge that gap. Um, I know people like, uh, like Sarah Gonzalez, um, who's going to drop into this program a little bit later. She's been endorsing this product for years now, and she loves the fact that her, um, her listeners are, are actually loving it. She talks about it all the time. People write into her all the time. Um, but Riduzone is a safe, uh, vegetarian, and gluten-free supplement that simply tells your body, hey, stop eating. You're full. <laughs> um so stop fighting nature and manage your hunger and your weight with Riduzone. It's America's number one weight management supplement of OEA. Use promo code PAT, that's P-A-T, and receive 30% off a three-month supply. To order, go to Riduzone.com. That's Riduzone.com. Riduzone.com. Okay, so getting back into Syria, I, and I, I'm not, I, I don't want to spend a ton of time because again, this is just, this is just so complicated, but I know a lot of you guys were very, very pissed off that the president did this. And when it, when I first saw this, I was just, I, my, my heart hurt, my, my soul hurt because, you know, I know these people, I, I know what they're all about. I, I, 
I, I know their culture. And again, we've explained that. But um, I, I want to talk about this, this, <laughs> this letter that happened. This is a crack up. Uh, so the president wrote a, a letter to President Erdogan and, uh, of Turkey. And this is hilarious because <laughs> it basically showed that the way the president talks and rallies, he also talks in a few official communications to foreign leaders. <laughs> uh, I just, let me just read this really quick. Uh, this is President Trump's letter and he goes, and you can find this on the internet. Just Google it. Uh, it's really short, but he goes, dear Mr. President, let's work out a good deal. You don't want to be responsible for slaughtering thousands of people, and I don't want to be responsible for destroying the Turkish economy, <laughs> and I will. I've already given you a little sample with respect to Pastor Brunson. Uh, that's when he put steel tariffs and uh, and did some other th- and some other tariffs uh, so that, that that Turkey would re- release the U.S. citizen Pastor Brunson. Uh, then he goes on. He says, "I have worked hard to solve some of your problems. Don't let the world down. You can make a great deal, General Moslum." is willing to negotiate with you. And he is, and that's, I'm assuming, uh, an SDF, the, one of the Kurdish commanders. And he is willing to make concessions that they will never have made in the past. I am confidentially enclosing a copy of his letter to me. Just received. And then he, this, is the, then this, is the, this is the awesome portion at the end. History will look upon you favorably if you get this done the right and humane way. It will look upon you forever as the devil if good things don't happen. Don't be a tough guy. Don't be a fool. I will call you later. <laughs> I love I love this. This is the best thing ever. Um, I am actually going to pause my uh, critique of this because it suddenly smelled a whole lot better in the room. And it's like the lights came on with a ray of sunshine. Miss Sarah Gonzalez sits down in the main seat right here. How you doing, honey? Uh, well, I'd be better <laughs> if I hadn't, like, uh, my husband's alarm went off. At six ten, and I was like, oh, "What happened? I set my alarm for three thirty. Oh my gosh, what am I still doing here?" Worst feeling ever. Oh, I'm Worst. so sorry. Oh, it was awful. So I've been better, Jason. I wish I could see the. I wish I could see the the feed now, because I bet a ton more people are tuning in as they were droning <laughs> off after me talking about this. Um, no, I'm so sorry. No, nah, it's all good. Is it was. It was uh, I'm actually, it actually gave me, because I think you would have fallen asleep because I was talking. I was. I'm driving in. (laughs) I was like, especially like with the Syria thing, because it's so complicated. I was trying to break it down. I was on Dana's show trying to break it down because it just pisses me off that every time people, those experts, you know, come in to talk about it, it's always so dang complicated. It's like never easy to understand. It's also not easy to understand when you... Explain when it I too. do it as well, but I maybe mean, I a think little just, more easy. <laughs> I think it's it's just kind of the nature of foreign affairs. Yeah, it, it's just it's really hard to understand. You've got to talk about history of yeah. uh, you know the Kurds and Turkey, which and no one understands. No, ever. because as we live in our bubble in the United States. Yeah, right. Well, like this is our bubble, and we don't know anything else. Well, I think it's I, I think it kind of helps when when the pre- we have a president kind of like ours that. You know, he, he's not one of those like quoted experts. So when he does things <laughs> like this, he breaks it down a very easy way. Like yeah. e- even like when they say, you know, in, in in foreign relations, you know, there's always like, 
you know, but what did he mean when he said that? Right. Is there something behind? I don't think you get that from our president. No. He's pretty much just going to say, yeah. you know, like, like this, like, I will destroy your economy. <laughs> no nuance there whatsoever. <laughs> okay. I got you. Yeah, right. Or uh, I wonder what he thinks about me. Oh, I'm a devil and a fool. Yeah. <laughs> he just says it. He just says it. That's what I said yesterday uh, on my show. I was like, I mean, at least because Na- when Nancy Pelosi called him, uh, she said, well, he referred to me as a third rate politician, but he wouldn't know the first thing about being a politician. Like, yeah, that's because he just says everything to your face. Right. And I don't think you guys say everything behind his back. <laughs> right. He just says it to your face. And I don't think he took that as a slam. No, like, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then his base is like, yeah, I mean, state the obvious. girl. Yeah. They're like, like that's <laughs> why we voted for him. Thanks. Well, what's funny is that it actually worked. Everyone was trashing him for this letter. I was laughing, like, and kind of like doing one of these, like, grab the bridge of my nose and shake my head thing, like, dude. But it worked. Yeah. So, Turkey actually, so the next day, Turkey agreed with U.S. to pause the Syria assault while the Kurds withdraw. Can I ask you something, though? <laughs> I know it's insane, but I read a report that Erdogan threw the letter in the trash. Yeah. But then he still complied. So, I mean, I, I read that and I was like, well, what else would he do? Would, would he frame it and put That's it on the true. wall? That's true. That's a great point. That's <laughs> I mean, a great point. That was just that was just for a headline then. Yeah, that's absolutely a headline. Okay. Anyway, we're going to get back into some more serious talk with Sarah Gonzalez in a second. That Gray Unleashed. Well, Pat Gray is not here. It's uh, Sarah Gonzalez here with Jason Buttrell. The degenerate, <laughs> the degenerate Sarah Gonzalez here with Jason Buttrell. You guys, I can't believe that my, al- I swear to you, <laughs> I set my alarm. I, this has never happened to me before. And this guy's a liar. Uh, oh! <laughs> First of all, how dare you? Best drop ever. How dare you assume <laughs> my gender? <laughs> I know my hair's in a bun, but please. Come on, let's 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 be real. We, we Sarah and I planned this so we, we, I, we could do the boring things first and then have an exciting second. Because I said, Jason, if you're talking about Syria, I'm just going to be sleeping anyway. Yeah, she goes, I'm not coming in. I'm just not. <laughs> you have to talk about it. <laughs> oh, God. So embarrassing. <laughs> so embarrassing. Uh, all right. So let's talk to uh, Martha. We've got Martha here from Arkansas on the phone. She wants to talk about Jason's story. Martha, hey, how you doing? Hey, Martha. <laughs> Pretty good, all things considered. <laughs> hanging in there waiting, waiting for the next wild one to come along. Yeah, I know they're, they're new, they're new conspir- they're new conspiracy theories. Yeah. What's on your mind, girl? But, uh, okay, I know that you understand um, how intelligence works and doesn't work in all of this. Yeah. And I have watched this I've seen George Papadopoulos be interviewed several times, and they started setting him up in February of 2016. Yeah, they they arranged a, they arranged a meeting. The CIA arranged a meeting with Stefan Helper and George Papadopoulos. Yep. And Trey Gowdy says he has read the transcript. They had Stefan Helper wired, and he has read the transcript. That's why probably why Donald wanted him on his team. Yeah. But he has seen and read the transcript of the 
conversation, which totally exonerated George Papadopoulos. Mm -hmm. And they continued to plant these spies, which has CIA written all over it. And they went with the CIA, which is which leads us to where we are now of they when it's CIA. Am I right? When it's CIA, it is secretive, right? Yep. There's a limited a limited scope of people who have that information, which mm-hmm. is why it started in the CIA, and why now we're keeping this in the intel, so it stays secretive and behind closed doors. And in my opinion, the whole thing has, which we have two op- former CIA operatives on Adam Schiff's staff. If that doesn't stink to high heaven, hmm. that this whole thing is just. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks a lot for calling, Martha. Um, I'm going to now rant for a few minutes, so uh, we'll let you go. I, but I'm, gonna go, I'm going back to sleep. Continue to listen. Um, I, so what Martha said, some people would call conspiracy, but Martha is not a conspiracy theorist on that. This is, and Martha is obviously been paying attention to this very closely. Um, if you are not read up on the George Papadopoulos stuff, you need to, mm-hmm. because something very weird Happened with the with the George with the Papadopoulos stuff. I remember saying back in the day, uh, right when Trump first got elected, that after some of the things he said about the intelligence community, that they would not stand for this, that they were going to retaliate in some way. And exactly what Martha said, you now have multiple cases where it's come out that people that were around uh, both James Clapper and Brennan the director of national intelligence and the CIA uh, director respectively, they, uh, what they, multiple people have been connected to them in some of these, uh, what seem to be setups. And the Papadopoulos thing is very suspicious. I want you to Google. I don't have this pulled up my computer right now. Cause I didn't, I didn't, wasn't prepared to talk about it, but there was a guy named Joseph Mifsud that was in Italy he was doing a lot of weird things uh, with uh, in Italy at this college that they were holding like FBI and CIA conferences there. Many people think that there's they're, they're, they have like a degree there that's like a master's in like intelligence gathering or something like that. But there's multiple CIA uh, conventions there and classes being held. Part of the Russia investigation is going through, I'm sorry, the the origins, Trump's origins of the Russia investigation have to do with what was going on in Italy, uh, Joseph Massoud, and why he basically gave what they think gave this information to George Papadopoulos. It feels like a setup. And it all is, it's, again, this sounds like it would be in some kind of novel talking about you know, some kind of Jason Bourne weird intelligence drama, but it's exactly what, what it happened. seemingly happened yeah. over there. So yeah, continue to look for that. I don't think that we've seen the last of, you know, whistleblower leaks mm-hmm. to come out of the intelligence community, all focused, laser focused in on, you know, Donald Trump, his campaign, all that. It's it's insane. Can I also just say, uh, <clears throat> it is odd if you go to George Papadopoulos's Twitter account because he's constantly, uh, you know, retweeting stuff that he's like, hey guys, you should really look into all of these uh, FISA warrants and everything. Like, it was really bad and hello. <laughs> I mean, it's not often that you hear that 
from the person yeah. who the FISA warrant was for. Please look into it. Right. He's like, yeah. I guarantee you, if you look into it, you're going to find some stuff. Could you do that? When the guy being accused says, no, please investigate me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you I know mean, something's off. You got you to gotta <laughs> know there is something weird uh, going on. Have, have you read the expose on Papadopoulos and his wife? No. It was either New York Times or something like that. I don't remember what, what it is. Oh, my God. You have to read this. Why? Papadopoulos, his wife is smoking hot, for one. Yeah, I know. I've heard you say it about <laughs> 10 million times already. I got it. That's most of our conversation. Like, oh, I my know. God. Sarah, you know smoking hot this I week? Know. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, it, this is the truth. All I hear about from Jason is who is hot. So, okay, uh, aside from her being hot, why do I need to read it? So, uh, well, crap. There isn't really another. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> so, it, they are the... The prototypical, like, junior high, high school couple, but they're married okay. adults. So it's it's so funny. It's like, it starts off and his wife is like, oh my gosh, we're over. Get your stuff and get out. <laughs> and then you'll read two paragraphs and the, and the author's like, but they uh, reconciled and got back together like later in the afternoon. What? <laughs> I'm dead serious. It happens like multiple times, but they come off as so likable yeah. and so like relatable. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I've been there in my relationship. Or, that's, oh, that's, I don't, that's so us. We don't do. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so us. That's them. Is it's that great. what is that what happens to you, Jason? Your wife constantly says, "It's we're done. It's no, over. Come get your stuff." Probably like the first year and a half, two years. Really? Actually, yeah, it's like the, we because we, we were both very, very strong willed. Yeah, and she's Latin. And I did yeah, not know. It. I know about you that. You know about all about that. I know about that. I didn't, but I did not know. I was yeah. like, I was whiter than white. That's and I true. Still am. And you married her very quickly. Yeah. Because I was going to say, what do you mean you didn't know? You dated her, but not for very long. We did. We dated short. But then that was right before uh, my first uh, combat deployment. Yeah. So I was like. Come on, girl. Like, <laughs> this is going to happen anyway. It was the you most. Might as well. It was the most non romantic uh, uh, proposal ever because I was like, you know, we're going to do this anyway. But check it out. How the military works is if we get married, we'll get more money. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I would have said no. I know. No. Try again with something more romantic. But that's how strong my game was back in the day because I was actually able to pull that off. But okay, Jason. <laughs> I'm sure that's how it happened. It was uh, actually more like, oh my God, I feel so sorry for that man. <laughs> Somebody has got to help him there's out. There's something no wrong with him. Yeah, I feel something. like I need to help him. I thought it was just the way he looked, but no, there's seriously <laughs> mentally something wrong with him. <laughs> uh, all right. You want to talk about Matt Lauer? Oh my gosh. This is, this is insane. Yeah. It's never stopped. It's never ending. No, it's not. So apparently there are uh, more sexual harassment accusations that are rolling in against Matt Lauer. Uh, he has now had an affair, they're telling us, with a, quote, well-respected NBC star. Yeah. Do you know who the, do, is there, are there, like, rumors of who this is, Jason? Do you know? Yeah, they, they actually say it's, um, it's former NBC employee Brooke Nevels. Oh, this is the, okay, okay, this is the Brooke Nevels one. Yeah. I mean, this is, and I, I think this had been alleged in the, uh, what's the, what's the, in the catch and kill book yeah, by Ronan Farrow. Yeah. But now they're saying, okay, that, this that is, it's her. It's gotta be her. Can I just tell you, I don't, we can get into the details, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I don't, I don't believe her. Really? I don't believe her. Well, I mean, because, but uh, don't send me hate mail. Okay. Believe all women. I don't. 
I don't. But, I don't. So the but but uh, Matt Lauer's attorneys have basically rogered up to it and said that yeah. he that he raped her. No, no, no. no. So the, I don't think the allegation was that he raped her. The, the, oh, so I get what you're saying. I don't. So now she's saying that. Uh, oh, she's changing her story now. She's a- hold on. <laughs> Let me tell you the story I heard. I heard a story that she said that he raped her when they were in Russia. Yeah, I believe yep. it was for the Olympics, Sochi. right? Yeah. So she came to his hotel room because he stole her credentials as a joke. Ha 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 ha! And so she went to her to his hotel room to obtain her credentials. Left somehow ended up back at his hotel room a second time because he invited her oh okay i'll just come to your hotel room late at night again after i just left it what could possibly go wrong and then uh then she says that he raped her you're right this uh, pushed her up against the wall he threw her on the bed he turned her around and he raped her all different kinds of ways. So this is this is from Variety. This was, I guess, in an interview that she gave. This is a quote. She says, "Once she was in his hotel room, Neville Neville's alleges Lauer, who was wearing a t-shirt and boxers, mm-hmm. pushed her against the door and kissed her. He then pushed her onto the bed, flipping her over, asking if she liked. Can I say this? I don't know. Uh, Rear end I, yes, business. That's right. And uh, <laughs> and Pharaoh uh, that she said she said that she declined several times. Like who? But also who's they're like? Do you like this? Like it doesn't that defeat the purpose of rape? <laughs> if you're going to rape someone, are you really going to ask if they like it? Right. That's not even my problem with the story, though. I just don't. I don't. Like, there are so many holes in this story. How is he going? He's pushing you up against a wall. He's pushing you on the bed. At no point in time can you like roll off the bed, uh, fight back, anything like that. And then why are you going to his hotel room twice? Especially- twice and you didn't know what was going to happen. You were just over there. She And she says they were drinking beforehand. You were just over there getting bombed beforehand, right? Like you're over there at the bar drinking beforehand with him. And then you're coming to his hotel room twice and yeah. you're telling me, now all of a sudden you didn't know what was going to happen and you didn't expect it. Please, right? And it you just like, drank too much and you want an excuse, right? And everyone knew. Uh, to your point, everyone it sounds like around him knew what he was all about. Mm-hmm. So if you're getting into the situation, like I'm not, as a married man, I I'm a lot of times worried about just the appearance of what yes. it looks like. You know yes. what I mean? Like if 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 you even if I'm at work, exactly. You know, you don't just walk off into dark corners. Even if you're just like talking about work. That's why because Jason Jason is so obscene to me all the time <laughs> at work. He's just like flashing, you know, fingers at me that you don't want to you don't want to know. I'm not going to do it. It's like true story. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's yelling obscenities at me. He just wants to make sure there's nothing that looks like an appearance of anything like this. And after they got back from the Olympics, they had consensual sex. She says that. She admits that. So you're telling me this guy raped you in Russia and you get back to America and you're like, I kind of liked it. Yeah. She claims that again. She claims that uh, she that that her and some other guy, another NBC executive would always say, I guess, I don't know, uh, inappropriate things to her. She said that um, I guess she was forced to sign an NDA when she left NBC. NBC. I mean, but doesn't everyone. Yeah, it's true. I, I don't know if it was specific. Right. It That's why it, it's it saying say that. she signed it, but I would venture to say probably they have everyone sign that. Mm-hmm. I'd be shocked if they didn't. Why is she just coming out and talking about it now? 
Because Ronan Farrow. Oh, oh, oh. Ronan Farrow's stuff dropped. And this is what Matt Lauer said, uh, that she came out and uh, made these accusations right when she said she was going to write a book. Oh, my gosh. You're kidding me. Nope. Oh, my nope. gosh. That's what I'm saying. I think she's full of it. Did, did you read uh, Did you read uh, Lauer's uh, lawyer's? official response no i mean i'm let me read this paragraph but you probably i probably can't say most of it it's oh, it's so like graphic i'm like a lawyer actually wrote this like anyway this is, this is the quote i had an extramarital affair with brooke nevels in 2014 it began when she came to my hotel room very late one night in sochi russia we engaged in a variety of sexual acts <laughs> we performed this kind of sex on each other we also had this kind of sex. Oh, we also had this three different, he put three different examples. Uh, each act was mutual and completely consensual. Let me just a say super cut over here. Yeah, let me just say that they got down in that. Uh, <laughs> they got down in in, in that encounter. Uh, wow. But yeah, that's a, that's that's very descriptive. Okay, well, r- but I mean, right there. Okay, I think I think I did read uh, parts of this because they they came out and I mean, he said. Sorry if you regret it now or you weren't brave enough to tell your partner that you cheated on him, but this is what happened. I mean, you got to be some kind of sociopath to come out and say that in your statement (laughs) if you, in fact, did rape her. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, that is, that's bold. That's bolder than bold. This guy sounds like a turd regardless. He does. I'm not (laughs) defending Matt Lauer. I think Matt Lauer is garbage. But But I just don't like that that women can just all of a sudden be like, oh, he raped me. Yeah. Did you see what uh, what her statement was on why it was rape? No. Oh, well, we can talk about that. No, don't leave me in suspense. After the break. <laughs> How about that? Oh. How about that? All right. Okay. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, what her what her statement was on why it was rape and why I think she's a liar. <laughs> All right. Uh, but before we go, I want to tell you about, uh, are you in pain? Are you one of the million American millions of Americans who you're just walking around in pain and you're like, this is life. This is life. You could be like Jason and 100 years old. But I'm 100 years old, completely broken down, but I'm not in pain anymore because, because of Relief Factor. <laughs> uh, Relief Factor is uh, it's 100% natural and it's four key natural ingredients that target the inflammation in your body, which you guys don't understand. Inflammation is the root cause of your pain oftentimes, and you're masking it with prescription drugs. Uh, Maybe you're trying acupuncture. Um, You know, you're trying all sorts of things to mask this pain. No, don't do that. Just try Relief Factor. It's going to actually target the root cause of the pain so that your pain actually goes away. Uh, truly, Jason's tried it. I've tried it for some uh, disc problems in my back. It's worked for me as well. It's working for Glenn Beck. It's working for so many of you out there who have already tried it. So if you are one of the few listeners who have held off on trying Relief Factor, you got to try it. Go to relieffactor.com. Get your three-week quick start pack for $19.95. That is relieffactor.com. Go there now. Pat Gray Unleashed. Welcome back. Welcome back. 
I am uh, Sarah Gonzalez here with Jason Buttrell. Yeah. We are here up in Mercury Studios, Blaze Media Network. You can call us, 888-900-3393. Man, that is hard to read with this light right here. <laughs> it is right in your face. I called it 8393 earlier because I could not see it because of that light. But you it's said 8393? <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty big mistake. <laughs> uh, that doesn't even look like an eight. It didn't matter. Martha knew what the number was. She called in. <laughs> My subterfuge didn't didn't heart hamper her at all. Uh, so we were talking about Matt Lauer, the allegations against him of uh, rape from Brooke Neville's former NBC. What what did she do at NBC? Do we know? Uh, was she a? That's a good. She question. wasn't an anchor. No. I don't know. But it doesn't say here. She uh, she worked with NBC. She says, on air, she says she was an on-air NBC personality, so maybe like a... She wasn't an anchor. Maybe she was a correspondent or something. Must be. Um, so they went to Russia. A bunch of stuff happened. He said this. She said this. Here's what gets me. In her initial statement where she came out and said, yes, it was me. I am the uh, the anonymous person who said that Matt Lauer raped me. She said... It was rape in the sense that I was too drunk to consent. Then she goes on to say it was rape because it was not consensual. And as a woman, I'm like, what do you mean it was rape because you were too drunk to consent? How drunk was he? Why is it, why is it rape because you were drunk? What if he was drunk too? Mm. Why is that just his fault? Why is that his problem? Yeah. Right? I don't I don't like when women use the I've had too much to drink as an excuse when they wake up the next morning and they don't like what they've done and they don't want to face what they've done. Right. I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like it. I I feel like it cheapens true sexual assault. I mean, how can you how can you trust someone's uh someone's accusation that's a, that's of rape when the first thing they say is well i i was i was drunk that's, the pro- that's obviously rape i was drunk that's one and that's one of the biggest problems now i mean i think i think you can better make that case when it's like directly after or you know what i mean like that's one of the problems with a lot of this me too stuff coming out now is everything is like after like a scandal blows up and then you have 40 other people saying oh yeah i had a i had a similar experience I mean, you can't, it, it's hard now to pick through the weeds of what's legitimate and what's not. Yeah. And, that, and that's what sucks. I mean, that, we've been saying that about Me Too for so long is, I mean, I think probably 90% of these are probably just, I don't want to call them bull crap, but yeah. it's, 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 it's probably 90% of these are hurting the actual allegations. Yes. The actual cases. That yes. You, you got to be like, if you actually are, let's say you, there is a victim of Matt Lauer out there. She's got to be like, come on, man. Right. Like, seriously. Right. Like, this actually happened to me. Yeah. And nobody is. Now it's so hard for people to even know if if my claim now is legitimate because there's all these other right. like, well, yeah, it's it was kind of uh, it was kind of rape, but not really rape, but it might have been rape. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like, for instance, we were talking about this off air, like the uh, the quote rape button 
Yes. That was on his desk. That had that was installed. Yeah. And that was like a office. bombshell. Like everyone freaked out. They're like, oh my God, a rape button? <laughs> you know, like, oh my God. Like what else is was it a like a dungeon in there in his office? Was it actually like a BDSM, you know, like palace? Like what's going on? I, and I saw that. Gray up in here. <laughs> I was like, uh, well, come on, man. I I used to work executive protection out in Hollywood, and this button is actually very, very common. It's 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 not. It has nothing to do with rape. It's just standard lockdown procedure. I want to yeah. know, but this context never came out. How many of these buttons were at multiple executives or per, on-air personalities at NBC? Probably right. a lot. Probably every single one of them had this. So maybe he misused it. It's possible. Right? Maybe he didn't use it in the right way. It's possible. But but it's not a rape. It's not button. a rape. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Which is exactly how it was described. It, it, right. I did. I know, and I I remember reading it, and I was like, "Rape button? <laughs> Is that that's a thing?" You, you, it's, you can find it on Amazon. <laughs> you, you can get the I ring. Realize that was a thing. You can get the ring uh, doorbell, <laughs> and then it'll also say users that also bought the ring doorbell also bought the rape button. You, and you can get it in like a combo pack. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you can get a combo pack. Why just the- get the ring doorbell when you could also get? The rape button. Save $50 on a rape button now if you purchase the ring doorbell with it. Uh, Ridiculous. Yeah, I just, I, I can't deal with the, the false accusations and the muddying the waters and the rape buttons and everything else. Let's just let Matt Lauer be a garbage person for the fact that he was a garbage person. Yeah. Right? Like, he, we don't need to add stuff in there that really doesn't make sense. He's a garbage person. Just let it be that. I don't think he raped you. I don't think he did. Come at me. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Sarah Gonzalez TX. Come at me. <laughs> Bro. Pat Gray Unleashed. Welcome back. Pat Gray is not here. I know I always say this, Jason, but I feel like we're letting down the audience no, whenever they have the, the hosts have these... <laughs> Awesome intro music, you know, it's rock and roll. Like, yeah, your host is here. And then we're like, oh, it's just us. I, I don't feel like they're like headbanging up in the like, yeah, you know, like, car. Uh, uh, and then, oh, <laughs> that's not Pac Ray. This is false advertisement. Uh, you can reach us 888-900-3393. Uh, also, you could tweet us. Hashtag put that in your pipe. Also, I am at Sarah Gonzalez TX. Jason is at Jason Buttrell. Uh, we were talking about this Brooke Nevels. Did you know she also got a seven-figure settlement? Oh, my gosh. You're kidding me. Seven-figure settlement to ensure this is, this is what they say. Right. This is what uh, Ronan Farrow says. She, the reason that she got the payout uh, to ensure that she can't talk about what the network knew about it. Can they take that money back? Yeah, that, I was thinking. Can the they get that money back? Oh. I mean, that's that is BS. You get seven figures, regardless of what happened. You get seven figures to not talk about something, and then you turn around and take that money, and then profit off of what you say happened. Come on. I'm sure they could. I'm sure they could sue. But they I, should, but the they optics won't. of that. Yeah, exactly. The of that. Just because the optics. And only Screw because. That. Make me if, your lawyer. If she would have came I'm out. I'm not a lawyer, but also. If she was the first <laughs> to come out, then I bet you they would have sued. 
and and went after her. But now since she's jumped on yeah. with everybody else, yeah. Now the you know the public the public they can't relations pr- right. They can't prove that she's the one who damaged the reputation because yeah. she's just one of many. If you're raped, are you taking over a million dollars to like just shut the heck up? Heck no. If it was that traumatic, and that was censored. If it was that absolutely traumatic. not. No, there is no way I am taking anything if someone is saying, well, if we give you all of this money, will you please shut up about the fact that you were raped? No, yeah. absolutely not. That's and, I, and I'm going to the press about the money that they offered to give me to shut up. Exactly. Right? Like I am blowing this thing out of the water because they dared offer me money to just cover up a rape. Yeah. That is that is absolutely ridiculous. You know what we won't see about all this? We won't see like a nifty Oliver Stone type miniseries like Showtime did for Fox <laughs> on this. That's true. That's you true. Will not Roger see Ailes. It. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they just like they hated Roger Ailes. They just wanted to nail him and did you watch that? No. It was I watched clips, but I I didn't see it. So it's worth it in my opinion for the first episode. Like you can watch the first episode and be like, that's really interesting because you see like why Fox was started, you know, like what was in Roger Ailes' mind. Yeah. That was incredibly fascinating. But the rest of it is just so graphic and it's so like, it's so depressing. And you, you feel so horribly for some of the women that were involved in this. I mean, it, it it's bad. And I, I did watch it all because I wanted to see the part like where the person depicting Glenn was in it but it's like way down the line that's what i that was the clip that i saw yeah oh, you saw it. yeah the guy yeah, that was the glenn. only yeah that was the only part that i saw um but no you're right i mean no one's gonna make a a remake of that but how it's true NBC. but how true was that showtime special i have no idea because you just said oh the it was so graphic the way that no they idea. depicted it but you don't even know no, how true know. to life it is no i know that there was this uh i guess it's it's it's, it's based off that book uh, that this guy wrote that talked to her and talked to like a few other people and I don't know they they had a uh, I know some things were corroborated as far as like what they were doing with uh, that specific woman like how they would like you know t- take her and hide her you know in places when every time she, her mentally she was losing it mm-hmm. a lot of those things were corroborated but as far as like the details like they actually show like what he was doing to her and I, who who's to, who, who knows. I guess that's based off of her testimony, right? But it it it, it was ba- it was bad. It was really bad. But I don't know. It's like, it just it irritates me that <clears throat> like NBC. Some of these allegations are so bad. You would think that in this in the Me Too era that they could possibly bring NBC down yes. over some of these things. Well, especially when you've got the head of NBC who's allegedly really bad, like really bad. Who was it, Maria? I can't even say her last name, but some model. Did you not see this? That he uh, printed out a picture where she had accidentally exposed her private area. How did I not see this? <laughs> how, how, <laughs> hashtag me too. <laughs> oh, Manunos. Uh, Manunos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. so you did you see this then? Okay, so I, I did see the story. Yeah, I did see that. So he so she was, what, what was she doing? Getting out of her car or something? Or it was a bikini malfunction or something? And she didn't mean to. It was just an accidental, oops, this happened. And apparently he like printed it out and showed a bunch of people during their staff meeting. (laughs) Look at this. Oh, my gosh. That is bad. When the head of, I mean, MSNBC president, 
MSNBC president. He led a staff meeting showing everyone her bikini malfunction. That's bad. NBC's jacked up. It, how do how do they not get taken down? NBC like and it's, it seems like it's it's multiple different levels at that company. That's why you that's what I'm saying. Like I know NBC is almost too big to fail, but I don't know, man. Uh, the more this stuff starts coming out, uh, I don't know. They might be. I, I don't. I doubt they would ever fully go down, but yeah. they're they're kind of screwed. And it's like the thing with Fox was Roger Ailes. Mm-hmm. That's like the only person they had you know beef with. That's the only one person that had allegations. This is multiple different people at NBC. You know what I think the problem is, Jason. I'm just gonna float this out here and see what you think. I think the problem is because you see this, uh, you know, uh, when it when someone when a conservative does it. It's like we we demand that something be done coming from the other side, right? When it happens, say NBC, it's like we talk about it and we're like, yeah, that sucks and that shouldn't happen and they, they should probably have repercussions. And then we go back to our daily lives. We go back to work. We don't, you know, boycott. We don't call their advertisers and say, hey, you guys really should pull this because this, this and this because yeah. we're too busy. We're too busy working and you know, running our families and we don't have time for that. And I feel like that's the difference with conservatives and the left is like, (laughs) I guess they're not, they're not working. I mean, I I guess they're not working. They have way too much time on their hands to try to make sure and stick it to whatever conservative outlet needs repercussions for, you know, their, the, their executives who have done all of this, all of these things wrong. See, I, yeah, that, that, that's, how it's been in the past. I mean, uh, things are changing, really? I think, though. Yeah, things are. I mean, it's and that's something that's kind of the irony of what the left is doing and what they have been doing since the 60s. Really, they were always the ones that came out and did violent acts, you know, at rallies. Yes. And stuff. Yes. Um, they were always the one like, you know, weather underground, yep. you know, things like that. Now you have Antifa. Look, they want to like talk about, you know, people like the Proud Boys or Patriot Prayer some of these people and they're saying, oh yeah, this class one was terrorists and all this stuff. Let, let me tell you something. They wouldn't even exist if mm-hmm. not for Antifa. Mm-hmm. We didn't do these things. I, and I don't want to say we. There, anyone anyone associated on the right that's not left did never did these things in the past. You brought this on yourself. Yep. If you wouldn't have been so hog wild on hashtag resist, most of these things never would have happened. Yep. Yep. Did you hear, speaking of that, did you hear there was the, the Trump rally in Dallas yeah. last night, which oh, I wanted to go to, um, but I went to uh, to my friend Chad Prather's show instead. He had, a sh- and then I and then I missed my alarm. Sorry about that again. And a Chad Prather show uh, usually involves much whiskey. So uh, there was whiskey. <laughs> I mean, there, was I, there wasn't an irresponsible amount of whiskey <laughs> on my part. I can't speak for everyone else, but uh, I mean, yes, there was whi- there. There may have been whiskey that uh, that was sipped slowly. Was this at? Was this at? Was it like one of his uh, shootings at a bar? I love those. It was no. It was at the. Um, it was cooler than that. I think at the Addison Improv. Mm. Mm. So it was this cool little improv theater that I think probably was built a long time ago and it was still you know it was like the typical improv awesome feel of like you're so close to your to your fans like he was his the stage was so close to everyone mm. I, oh it was a show yeah oh I thought you it was like an interview just said it was a show I thought I thought it was like an interview show like no, 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 no. It was a, com- it was his comedy show. Mm. It was the tour that he's on right now with uh, three other comedians. 
Got was it. funny. And they're all Trump guys. It was great. <laughs> they all were joking about Nancy Pelosi. And I mean, it was it was cool to see because you don't you don't get comics who are who are going to, you know, joke about the left. Yeah, they don't do that anymore. These guys did. Oh, you'll get you'll get blackballed. Yeah. You won't get these, to go do comedy anywhere anymore. Yeah, exactly. These guys did. Um, But no, there was a Trump rally last night and there was a, a man with an Infowars shirt on who I guess had a, a weapon. He had a firearm that he didn't have a license for. He was wearing a breathing mask and carrying a can of aerosol spray and a vest. Oh, and mace. He was ex- he was in a backpack. He was expecting a Washington state style. That's what I think. Antifa thing. That like I and and but this is what bothers me is it says that he uh it says the man was encountered by Dallas police near a protest from those objecting to the decision by Donald Trump to pull back troops in Syria. Which, okay, yeah, I'm sure that you were really, really against that before he did it, right? Like, they don't even know what they're protesting. They're just like, oh, Donald Trump did something. Let's protest. But did he actually do anything wrong? Besides having, I don't know beforehand, but if they... If, did, what, if were they those had, not if, supposed to be brought? Well, if, if he you had, know what I mean? If he had a gun without a license. If he had a gun without a license, but how did they find that out? Yeah, so he must have been, I guess he was, I don't know. I don't know what he... They took him to the hospital for an evaluation. <laughs> Mental? That's hilarious. Yes. I love how, I, I love, I'm not excusing this guy. I don't know what he yeah, did. Yeah, we don't know the details, but, but just, love, just from this reporting, it's like, what did he do? And I love how that made the news when that's literally every day in Washington State. Like everyone that shows up to a protest there has got a black mask and weapons. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, they're not going to report. Well, on I it. know. And they're like, oh, we're, we got to take this guy to get in a mental evaluation because he's wearing an Infowars shirt. <laughs> Better take him to the hospital. Lock him up, guys. That might somewhat be accurate, though. <laughs> <laughs> OK, you're not wrong. <laughs> However, not sure that that is the, the best way to uh, secure liberty right. and freedom in this country is to be like, oh, the shirt he's wearing, though, is kind of weird. Although we should although, probably check him out. Although, yeah. Yeah, if you go, if you're going, to, you're happily married now. But if you go on, a, show up to a date, and the guy shows up with an Infowars shirt, do you question his mental ability? I mean, I'm leaving immediately. <laughs> you just walk around. You're calling the girlfriend and say, "Yeah, remember that rescue phone call?" Yes. No, I'm texting. I'm like, "Oh, my babysitter is texting me," and I'm like frantically texting. Oh my gosh, do the emergency call right now. Hello. Oh, oh my gosh, that's terrible. Okay, I'll be there right away. Sorry, gotta go. You know, it's it's. I'm I'm sure it's extremely hard being a single mother and in the dating scene. But on the other hand, it's also perfect because you don't have to have you that have girlfriend do the emergency call. It's true. You can just do the. It's true. Hey, look at that. Oh, well, babysitter's leaving. Gotta go. It's true. It's. Oh my gosh, she said she has to bail early. I'm so sorry. I'll call you. I'll call you. I'll call you. Don't call me. <laughs> I'll call you because my. Kid might be asleep. It's true. That's why you shouldn't call. Yes, yes. Not for any other reason. No, I totally had a great time. Or I could be in a PTA meeting with the kid. <laughs> it's nonstop, you know, kid excuses. This is great. It really is. But well, but you know this though. Uh, just having kids, even being married, that's that's the best excuse. Because even when you get invited out as a family thing, it's like, oh, the kid's sick. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, that's past his bedtime. Sorry about that. Yeah. Family really, time tonight. Yeah. Oh, really. Yeah. It's just like, I don't want to go out. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to do it. Oh, sorry. The kid's just really not feeling it. We never use our kids as excuses. Come on. That's bad. I literally always do it. I literally always do it. <laughs> 
All right, so uh, Greek mathematics. Oh, I'm so glad you reveal the most beautiful woman on well, woman or women? Women. Well, this headline says woman. So uh, GreekReporter.com, you need to fix your typo. Yeah, this this You're is welcome. This is like the best story ever, but it's Jason all, was dying to talk about. I this. know. This is like my I put this as number one, and Sarah said, uh, no, that's not the number <laughs> one. But yeah, there's this there's this uh he's a British scientist. I, I think he's a, he's also a plastic surgeon, maybe. Dr. Julian De Silva. And he used this gold this is a quote, a golden ratio of beauty. Phi standards. It's some kind of Greek thing, like ancient Greek. And I wrote, so so this, hang on a second. So he, all right. So this is a quote from him on how they determine the most beautiful women in the world. Okay. It's a quote, to be deemed beautiful, according to the golden ratio, the length of the ear must be equal to the length of the nose and the width of an eye should be equal to the distance between the eyes. Huh. Okay. So I'm like I'm trying to <laughs> measure. I know, that I know. Stuff right now, I'm like, well, okay. this and, and this goes off of like I remember I, I had an I think an English teacher back in college, and she mentioned this before, really, way back then. So this is actually a thing, and she was, but but this I question the legitimacy of it because she said that if you use those metrics, she said that Bill Clinton, who was president at the time, was one of the most handsome men Ew. in the world. <laughs> And, and we all looked at her like, no. What? And she goes, seriously, do if you look at the measurements, they're all symmetrical. That's true because it doesn't say, does it say anything about the nose? Right? It, like, can you have just the weirdest nose ever, but as long as your eyes are symmetrical and your ears are symmetrical? The length of the ear must be equal to the length of the nose. Okay. Length of the ear length. equal to the length of the nose. What about the width of the nose? It doesn't say that. Hmm. Yeah, because Bill's got a kind of a crazy. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. <laughs> um, so anyway, no hate. So he 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 did like a mathematical tally, and he came up with the top ten most beautiful women in the world. Do you want to get? Yeah, tell we, us. Do you want to start at number ten? Maybe start right, at number so? ten. Number ten, Cara Delevingne. She scored oh, an eighty-nine point nice. nine nine. I have Cara. Oh, Delevingne. Cara Delevingne. Who is that? I don't even know who that is. I think she's a singer. Oh, she's an actress. Sorry. Okay. Thanks, Martin. Actress and model. Martin, okay. Dang, Martin. It's a Carol Delevingne fan. fan. (laughs) Don't worry, I got you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving on. Number nine, Katy Perry with a 90.08. Katy Perry's hot. She's hot, yeah. But I'm not thinking symmetrical when I think Katy Perry. Oh, you're not? No. Like... There's nothing on Katy Perry that you think might be symmetrical. I, well, I'm not looking that at the symmetrics a, of her face. I guess okay. that's why. Okay. <laughs> Number eight, Natalie Portman, 90.51. Yeah, Natalie, she's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, she's hot. Seven, Scarlett Johansson, 90.91. Yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, Scarlett, I'm a Scarlett Joe fan. Yeah, I, sometimes she, Scar Joe. Scar Joe. Sometimes she, she bothers me in movies, but she is hot. I'm not, she's hot, but I don't know if I'd put her in my top 10. I don't know. Uh, Kate Moss, number six, 91.5. Oh, I don't like Kate. She's too... Not no. a Kate fan at all. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You're not? No. Okay. No, she's... Me either. She's she's too... She's way too, too skinny. skinny. Yeah, exactly. Way too skinny. And, but even if you look at her, like, I feel like she her eyes are weird. No, I'm not a fan. All right, so now we're moving into the top five. Top five. Number five, Taylor Swift, 91.64. What? Taylor Swift. Number five, she's saying. You know, I when when you when I, I I kind of get it if you're looking at just measurements on a face. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. she does look like she's I don't know, like 
But that but that would indicate that there are some there are some downfalls. There are some loopholes in this measurement. <laughs> right. That if you're like, well, I guess I get it if you're just looking at measurements of the face. Okay, then maybe this formula isn't as great as you think it is. Okay. Number four, I not on board at all. Ariana Grande, ninety one point eight one. Oh, you don't think she's beautiful? She is freaky to me. Because she looks 12, but they over-sexualize her. So that's how Taylor Swift was? Not like that. Really? No. Like, she, like, Ariana Grande will dress up like a, like a, I don't know, like, I don't, like, they put her in the skimpiest things, but then they'll put her the pigtails on to make her actually accentuate <laughs> the fact she looks 12. You know what I mean? They're trying to appeal to the, uh, the pedo crowd. <laughs> that's, this is, I tell you what, if, if I wasn't a father, she might rank up on the hot scale for me. Ew. Maybe. Uh, I, because I see her as a little girl. You know? Well, that shouldn't have to do with being a father. Yeah, well, I mean, it's because you have, when you have kids, especially like yeah, a little daughter, no, I know. it's like, why are you yeah, over-sexualizing like, her? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, number three, Amber Heard, 91.85. I am totally on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, She's gorgeous. She's a gorgeous. absolute babe. Um, I'll do this quickly now. Number, okay, one and two. You guess. See, if you throw a name out, starting with, uh, either, it could be either one or two. Uh, gosh, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of Victoria's Secret models. Um, is are either of them a Victoria's Secret model? Crap, I don't know about number one. Oh my gosh, Jason! I don't know if number one is Martin. Probably knows if she is, but he I don't know if she is. She might just, be. He well, he just spoiled it because he he said one of them. Oh, Martin, you ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number two is, since you know, so, okay, but you don't know which one is which. So no. I'll just tell you. Number he just told, no, he just told me one. Oh. Who's number two? Dang it. Number two is Beyonce. Uh, okay, I, Beyonce is gorgeous. I'm totally on board with that. Really? Yeah, you don't think? Well, I think she's pretty. Oh, wow. They actually have a picture on here where they actually show her measurements on her face. That's interesting. Oh, yeah, there it is. That's interesting. Okay. okay. Well, we're on radio, Jason, and people can't see. <laughs> yeah, you can't so see it. But let's keep talking. If you look at these, but that's kind of fascinating. Ja- Jason, Jason just got lost in Beyonce's <laughs> face. He literally just live radio here. He's like, "Oh, wow." All right, number huh. number one huh. is huh. drumroll, Bella Hadid, ninety four point three five percent. The most beautiful woman in the world. They're saying Bella Hadid, which I always to no. me she always looked kind of basic. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, okay, so you guys have to go to greekreporter.com and look at this picture, but what, what is going on with her eyebrows? Why are they, they've like, they've made them go spiky, they're spiky up and down. They're hardcore too, I mean, I know, thick. I know. I don't know, I, I don't, I mean, she's, she's, she's a, a gorgeous woman, but. I guess, I don't even know if I would say that, she's, I don't know, I guess you can't, so the Greeks have taught us many things. One, that you cannot quantify beauty with mathematics, I think, is one of the biggest things here. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, this whole thing is very, very, uh, it reeks of to- toxic masculinity. <laughs> that you would dare objectify a woman and just put her in a formula? <laughs> that's Please. right. Women's beauty, it's its way more, it's not, its you can't quantify it, okay? You can't quantify a woman's beauty. You can't Jason. science it. No. <laughs> you 
pig? You chauvinistic pig? I mean, I'm I'm joking, but I am. But you're sh- being serious. Well, I'm shocked that they were allowed to write this article. That's that's all I mean. I'm shocked that they were allowed to write this. Did you see the? Uh, there was there's some lesbian comic that I saw this at at theblaze.com that said that men should be more feminine. Men should stop being so masculine and just be more feminine. I'm like, I hey, I saw that TV. Did you see Sarah's jealous she wasn't on the list? No, I just said like all of them I said are very beautiful. Also, I'm kind of jealous I wasn't on the list. Um, Wait, so they want, so it'd be better for women if men acted like women? Men should be more ladylike and rethink their weird obsession with being the opposite of feminine. I mean, it's not an obsession. It's just kind of the way that they were born. Right? I don't said, how about, how about you try not to act in every situation? Oh, okay. You don't want men protecting you? Cool. I don't. I don't understand this thing. Like they. So then, it's now feminist, not to. It, it's now. It's now feminist to say that men should either turn into women, or so I'm like it, act like women. Okay, but if I want a f- a feminine person, I'm just gonna be lesbian and date you, right? Like. I don't want to have, I don't want a woman. I don't want to be married to a woman. If I wanted to be married to a woman, I would be gay. I'm not gay. So I want a man. Why would I want my man being a woman? And what are the things that men do specifically that they should stop doing? Like, is there like inherently, like the inherently male things? Like, I don't. She said uh, that, I don't know. She just said that, you know, that men should stop trying to act. And be masculine. Why not just be more feminine? Stop. Oh, because they're men. Stop acting male and start acting female. I mean, uh, <laughs> or you could just be lesbian and date women and leave the men alone. How about that? I, I just can't with this. So the things that they are making issues these days. I just can't. I mean, talk about the most. None of these are issues. The most non-issues ever. And they're leading politics right now. Kids are talking like this about these things as if they're big deals. You need to tell your kids to go play on the playground. Oh, dude. My kid's not talking about it. Dude. Actually, their friends will bring this to them. He's got a great Donald Trump impression.